to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores what it takes to create your happy place and then empowers you to do whatever it takes to get happy at home. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book, Happy Starts at Home, and I'm so glad you're here today. So today I'm chatting with a fellow interior design business coach, Crystal Collinson, who, like me, is juggling the balance of running her own interior design company while also helping our colleagues find their own path to success. Also like me, she decided that in all her spare time, she should add hosting a podcast to her busy schedule. I'm thrilled to say I got to be a guest on her podcast, The Productive Designer, and if you're an interior design business owner, you should totally check out her podcast. So Crystal lives in a house in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, with her husband, her two kids, and their dog, Shelby. She has almost two decades of experience designing and decorating model homes, sales presentation centers, condominium amenity spaces, and small commercial projects. So among other things, today we're going to talk about what it's like to design a model home because it's kind of hard for me to get my head around designing a space that everyone will like instead of just the family who's living in the home. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show interior designer, podcast host, and business coach Crystal Collinson. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. That was quite the introduction. I I was listening going, wow, she sounds great. Oh, that's me. That's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you like it. No, it's wonderful. Um, I love getting digging into the stories of us as business owners, not just as interior designers, which Mm. I know is a passion for you because there's so many facets to all the things that we're doing. Yes. I want to start with one of those facets. Okay. So like that first thing I'm wondering, because I am a you know fellow interior residential designer, but I definitely focus on the single family. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's really different designing a model home as compared to an individual's home? And if so, how? Or if not, why not? So I would say it's similar, but however, I want to say it's kind of a, you generalize a lot when you're designing a model home, depending on different builders I've worked with. Some will bring in, some will have an ad agency that will be sort of strategizing how they're going to market this model home and this, this site, because it's usually a development that they're marketing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what I've had, which has been fantastic, I've had actually like a family profile that has been devised by the marketing agency. And so then when I get that, I'm like, heads in it and it's great because then I'm like okay you know it's the family they've got a boy who's you know 14 they've got a girl who's like eight they have a a, a pet they have you know she works part-time he's whatever right so you have all this wow this, this info which is fantastic because you can really get into it right like you can really get into the heads and and you start picking things specifically for that fictitious family <laughs> Right. Yeah. So when there's no sort of profile, family profile, it is more challenging because you you don't your your boundary lists in a sense, other than budget constraints, which mm-hmm. you know. So you you can kind of it's almost like you know how it is. The hardest part is getting started because you're like, well, what do I want to do? <laughs> what makes this exactly? You know, like it's when you have a family, you kind of go boom, and you kind of it it helps to. I guess, sort of focus, you know, put your focus in onto a family. So it, it just depends on on what builder I'm doing it for. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the fact that you could actually have a lot of or very little support from the other team members when mm-hmm. you're dealing with a building like that. Yeah. So I'm curious, has designing model homes informed the design of your own home? Like how much is it or isn't it like a model home? 
well, there's a lot more stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The counters aren't completely, you know, void of any, you know, bits and papers and that kind of stuff. But I think I found that we renovated the house that we're currently in. We've, we've moved a lot. My husband does general contracting. And so he has his side of the business and does renovations. So this is our sixth house I think we're in. And yeah, so each time you move, you're like, okay, and this one I want to do whatever. Right. And, but then you kind of get to a point where you're like, I've seen everything, you know, I've, I've used it somewhere in a model. Like you're just kind of uninspired because you're like, Mm. yeah, seen it, done it, run, you know, that kind of thing. So it can, it can be hard. I think sometimes to pick for yourself because you know, how many things are out there, the options that are out there. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, eight months down the road, you're like, oh, if that would have been out when I picked, I would have done that, you know, that kind of (laughs) stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and I like that you kind of reflect, you know, that mirror to yourself, because I know that myself, when I go through my own renovations and my, our colleagues, I'll all say the same thing. Designing for ourselves is like the hardest because we don't have somebody helping us edit and curate and filter out all of the options, which is one of the main things that we're doing for our clients is saying, I understand your target. I'm only going to show you these things so that you're not overwhelmed. We don't have anybody doing that for us. No, no. And we know all the stuff that's out there. Right, exactly. So I'd say budget is probably the thing that ends up limiting us because nothing else is. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And maybe our partner's taste, because of course we have to take that into account sure. too, which is yeah. sometimes a very grating limitation on an interior designer when they're like, just let me do my thing, yeah. spouse person. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I guess you live here too. Right. <laughs> we have to include you. It's interesting. So you said that your husband is part of the business, right? So he's d- doing a lot of the execution work. Well, he does. He kind of, we work pretty independently because I work mm. with builders and developers. I'm being hired for interior design services for their projects, which is then has, they have their, all their trades and because they're building, you know, multiple hundreds of houses in a, in a area. So they have contracts right. with different trade suppliers. And then he does more, you know, like private residential renovations. So whether it's kitchen, bathroom, additions, that kind of stuff. So we, it's funny because he'll help me, him and his, you know, his guys will kind of help me when I've set up a model home and they will be the labor. So they'll come in and we'll hang like my husband and I have done, I don't know how many houses worth of hanging art, right? Where we've done <laughs> just, we just go around and it's like this well-oiled machine. Okay. That, that's going to go there. And so I, I basically lean the stuff along the wall and say, okay, you know what I want. And he also has an art background. He was in advertising and design. So he nice. went to college for art and that. So I, you know, I trust him, which is great. Cause I can just sort of say, okay, that's where I was thinking this. And then I'll come in and go, Oh, Oh, you put that on a different wall. He's like, yeah, I, I didn't like it there. I'm like, okay, that looks good. <laughs> and we move on kind of thing. So, yeah. so we sometimes like, I don't really tend to help him with his projects. He also has a full-time assistant. So she's the one that's pretty much working on all the, the selections. So we pretty much stay in our own lanes really. Yeah, that's very familiar because my husband is also a contractor and people <laughs> assume that he's executing my projects. We actually don't work together at all. That's I will funny. refer him just yep. like I will for any contractor, but I'm like, these are two independent businesses. We just happen to be married. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so one of the things I've noticed is that when folks hire a stager to sell their home, mm-hmm. right, they often see the results and they go, oh my gosh, I wish it had looked like this while we lived here. What do you think people could apply and live with that you do in a model home? And what do you think is just way, you know, it's just fantasy. Like where do reality and fantasy intersect between the model home and real life? Well, I think definitely stuff for lack of a better word. I think we all have way more items and that's kind of my own personal mission that I want to, I'm continuing to declutter and would love to, I can't say I'd ever go minimalist, but I think that's part of the, the why 
the model home appeals to so many people because it's set up perfectly without extra clutter, you know, and part of that is just, and you can probably speak to this more than, than I would be, is that, you know, to understand how you live and what, you know, what's your process when you come in the door and do you, where do you want to put your keys down instead of everything landing on the kitchen island? And it's, you know, and a lot of times that's just, we leave it there because we don't want to forget. Right. So right. <laughs> it, it, if you can design so that you have a place for stuff, I think then that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing is the, the reality of clutter and just extra things and but if you can design where if you really like that look is okay we'll find a place for that like a permanent place for that so you know that that always goes back there you're never looking for it and it keeps things clean it's what you're saying reminds me of how um, diverse the different talent sets within our industry are right so you have the organizers who are Mm -hmm. so so essential to okay now that we have places for stuff, where is the stuff going to go? And obviously they do some of their best work if you can do that in reverse. Right. What is your stuff? And let's design the systems for that stuff. Yeah. So we've got the organizers. We've got the stylists and stagers who are really taking those personal items and showcasing them and telling a story. We've got the design work itself, like mm-hmm. where are the walls? Where is the sofa? What color is the sofa? What color is the backsplash tile? Right. And, they're, and they're all so integral but they're actually very different stages of design, mm-hmm. you know. So when you're thinking about making changes to your home, I think it's important to go, am I talking about organizing? Am I talking about decluttering? Am I talking about styling? Am I talking about renovating? Like, yeah. what are we talking about changing? Because all of those can be so powerful. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. What do you think, as you got into model homes especially, what rules did you think you had to follow or what rules did you discover that you needed to follow to set them up effectively? I think initially, and it still is a bit of a, I don't know if it's a rule, but you're, when you're doing a model home, you're trying to appeal to so many people, right? Like you're, yeah. so that, that style part of it, you know, if somebody walks in and you've done, I don't know, pink accent somewhere. And if somebody is really adverse and does not like pink, then that may put them off without even it may just leave a bad sort of taste in their mouth for that project in general. Like all subconscious. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, without saying, well, I'm going to do everything gray, you want to also, <laughs> and, and which is so easy to do because it's yeah. so much of what's out there is for that palette, right? I mean, everything in gray is, you know, as we know, is the new neutral. And when I mm-hmm. first started this, it was all beige, right? So, so it's adding some, some personality into the spaces that can be, not too out there, but memorable. And I just, there's some design aesthetic because otherwise it can feel a little bit blah if you're going, okay, well, I'm trying to appeal to everybody. Well, you can't, right? We all know everybody has different tastes. So, mm-hmm. so that can be a rule that's sort of subconsciously there. But, you know, I think over the years I've just said, well, we're going to do this. And I show the, you know, most of the time the, the marketing department wants to have a look at what we're proposing to do and, of course. you know, just get their buy-in. And we kind of know what the demographic is going to be. And, you know, the target and, you know, so we're, we're not like way out there, but you also have to design to the architecture of the house too, right? It's not like, we're. oh yeah. The house always has to get a vote. Exactly. So, you know, (laughs) so it's a bunch of different sort of things that we're trying to pull together and, you know, you do, there is some sort of current trends that you might take into account because people are looking for that. Like for instance, like gold faucets and stuff, right? Like Mm -hmm. those weren't around years ago and now they're coming back again. So last couple models, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do one in the master or I'll do one maybe in the powder room or something like that. 
Right, absolutely. Because obviously the choices you're making are in the moment. They're hoping to sell that house real soon so the trends can be followed because it is timely. It is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the things you just said reminded me of when I'm way back when we were house shopping. You kind of give each house this like nickname, right? Oh, that was the one with the yellow door or mm-hmm. that was the one with the really cool dining room chandelier. And one of the things that I think people struggle with is how do they create that special uniqueness in their home without just filling, making it look like a showroom, like everything is exciting, everything right. is unique. Yeah. When you are thinking about doing model homes, do you look for those special moments where you can give that signature, like, oh, that was the home with? Like that kind of a thing? Yeah, I think so. I think there's always something that we try to do that's a little bit unique. One of the builders that I've been working with recently, they've doing these experiential rooms and they're not really selling them, but it's more about having people just for that exact point, remember. So hmm. for instance, one of the rooms we did, it was a boys room and we did kind of a, a little bit of a hockey theme. I'm not a big theme person. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but what we did was we, we had just like rope lighting or like LED strip lighting underneath the bed that was blue I think it went blue and red and then we when you walked into the room it was motion activated it had like the hockey night in Canada theme played and then we had something else so it was just something like that again it's not something that they're offering their purchasers to have in their house but it was exactly that where you go gosh remember the house with the the hockey theme that was you know like the NHL hockey night in Canada theme that was playing you remember that those kind of things right so I think we did a girls room where we had we had a disco ball that we had that and the music came on and we're doing another one where we're going to have like a video wall kind of thing of stuff playing. What so, fun. Yeah. So it's kind of like where that's where you're like, okay, we get to do something kind of really creative and fun here, which probably wouldn't be executed in people's houses, but it's memorable. Although I totally love the idea that when I walked into my house, my theme song could just be triggered by the fact that exactly. I opened my front door. Like the, uh, what is it? I'm every woman, you know, like that. <laughs> Who's that? That'd be so amazing. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't just feel like empowered when you walk in the door. I'm home. Right? <laughs> I mean, with all, with all the smart technology, there's That's exactly I mean, it. It totally could be set up. It's, easy, instead of an easy. alarm, it's your entry song. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I do too. I so want that. So tell me about your home. Like, what do you love about it? You've been in a, you've created a lot of homes for yourself. Mm. So, you know, in that journey, what choices did you make in this home that you hadn't made in the previous ones that you love? Hmm. It's a good question. I do like what I like about this home is, and even my daughter will, we've made, she's made comments that night. She's like, I really like this house in the evening. It's cozy. It's not a big house. We did put a lot of skylights in it actually, which is great because it's a bungalow. So you know, when you're on the main floor, we have, I think, what, three skylights we added. During the day, we basically have no lights on. So, which nice. is great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we just like that. There's a lot of, my husband's big on lighting. Like it's, it's, it's crazy how much he just like focuses on lighting and the ability to, you know, have different lighting levels. So I think that was one of the things that we did was just the lighting. And yeah, it's, there's a coziness to it. It's, it's very calming. It's very relaxing. Although right now with all of us home in the pandemic, yes, I'm <laughs> less, <laughs> less relaxing. <laughs> well, we're all trying to find our, our quiet space, right? So, you know, we are building me another office because my husband and I are sharing and with him being a contractor, he's on the phone a lot and I'm yeah. like, I need my own space. I can't do it anymore. So, and I don't want to move out actually. I, I really like working from home. Like I like having mm-hmm. that and we have, you know, most of our people work virtually or sometimes come in like maybe one or two times a week. So, so we like that. So that, that works out well. So yeah, I think probably just cozy and and then a lot of lighting. 
And was this a house that you built from scratch or was this a renovation? No, it was a renovation. Yeah. So we did, because it was a bungalow, we were able to take what was the eight foot ceilings on the main floor. It's like built in the I don't know, mid sixties. And we were able to basically like vault the ceiling. We'd basically take it up. So I think we have now 14 foot ceilings, which nice. makes a huge difference. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. again, that adds to, I don't know, just that it's just a very comfortable feeling in it. So from a functional or practical standpoint, I bet it would be helpful for people to hear two things. Number one, if you're looking at a house and you're going, can we vault the ceilings? Mm -hmm. What are the things that you're assessing? And then similarly, if you're thinking, I want to add skylights to this house, what are the things that say going to be easy or going to be hard? Well, I, I can answer that to the best of my knowledge. I'm not the, usually the one that goes up there and looks. I leave that to the contractor. <laughs> we basically just looked above when when we had bought the house and we were starting to do the the, the demo. We kind of went, looked up in there and we're like, wait a minute, there's nothing above here. Like we can, and, and because it's one floor or like meaning there wasn't a supporting, we weren't supporting a floor above. We kind of went, oh my gosh, we can, yeah, there's nothing that was ma major running through there. So we, we raised it, which means such a huge difference. Uh, and then the okay. same thing with skylights too, depending on where the, the way the joists are going in your roof and whether you can put one in properly and, and touch wood, we've been okay with, we haven't had any issues with skylights because people I think worry, oh, skylights are notorious for leaking and exactly. You no, know, I don't want to bother. And it's like, no, no, they're so much better now. And they, they add just such a great, like, especially if you can do it over stairs or something, we've done that in a lot of renos we've done where we've added them over stairways and stuff. It just it adds, you know, it adds that natural light in that we're always looking for. And what about the fact that like, if there's trees around you, or if it's urban, you can get a lot of dirt, you know, collected on top of them. Do you guys have a plan to clean them every six years or? That's a, that's a very good question. I can't remember. I mean, we've been here, what, I think we're in seven years now. It's not really been bad. Like the only, yeah. you, know, you see snow when the snow falls, we can see it on, on there, but I think once it melts, it cleans off. And maybe we had our eaves and all that done this past summer. So maybe they, the guys, when they were up there, cleaned cleaned the, the skylight. But it really was never an issue. It wasn't like I looked yeah. up and went, oh, my gosh, they're awful. I got to clean them. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So they've been very successful for you and not they problematic. Have. They have, exactly. Now, I also know that a lot of us designers experiment on our own homes so that we don't have to experiment on our clients' homes. Can you tell us about a project that maybe didn't go as expected and how you solved it? Hmm, I think. And that can be this home or any home you've done. I think we tried. So I think in this house, if one thing I can think of was we did one of the fireplace and we wanted to do the modular art wall panels, you know, like the 3D. So again, seven years ago, they were really the only company that we really kind of knew of. Now, a lot more companies have come out now. And so that was one of those we had kind of didn't have an idea of what the cost was going to be, how difficult installation was going to be. So yeah, that was definitely something we kind of experimented on our house and it turned out fairly well. And we have, I have say no issues, but you learn little things after you're like, oh, okay, we would have done this, the seeming a little bit different, or we would have. Mm. So something like that, I think would be where I would experiment with, but I can't think of anything too major that we tried. On That's our lucky. House. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly made some, especially in the early days of being a designer, I experimented with color sometimes and I'm like, whoa, that is not something I will ever do to somebody else. Let's go ahead and paint over that. Well, that's true. That's it. That's an easy one. But yeah, you're right. It's <laughs> definitely, I think with model homes too, I've been lucky that I've been able to try a lot of different paint colors and we've gone, Ooh, that really reads green when it's up or that really, you know, like certain things like that, where you're like, okay, no, I've used that color before and uh, we want to go this way or whatever, whatever the issue is with it. But yeah, I'm, you know, with social media today, Pinterest and Instagram and stuff, a lot of people have access to kind of 
out-of-the-box creative ideas for their homes. Oh my gosh, but they yes. aren't always necessarily practical ideas. One that we've recently come across in my company are those toe-kick kitchen hidden drawers that you can oh, yeah, underneath yep. of the cabinets. Okay. And it turns out in talking to a lot of our ca- cabinet makers, they're like, they're hard to install, they're hard to make, and then they if there's any you know, variation into oh, your, yeah. your floor height or anything, they're not going to function. And so our cabinet makers are like, we just please talk your clients out of it. So what are your, what have you found when you're getting these ideas from Instagram and Pinterest? They seem so awesome, but they aren't always necessarily a good idea. Anything that comes to mind? Well, I think it's just, we always say, this is a, one, one line we use a lot, um, especially when you're working with, with residential clients. It's, you know, people don't know what they don't know. And right. So it, it, and it's to know, I mean, this is our business, right? And so we, I always say as designers, we know a little bit about a whole bunch of things, but we know who to go to, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't know it all. My gosh, there's mm-hmm. so much stuff. So I think it's always just sort of educating homeowners on, okay, well, you need to pick your plumbing early because we have to do the rough-ins and we have, mm-hmm. and it's that sort of education part that you have to just continually try to be a couple steps ahead of them so that they understand why you're asking them to pick something now. And even with paint color, it's like, oh, paint's so easy. But I'm like, yeah, but that goes on fairly early. Like if you're decorating more so, right, where you're picking furnishings and fabrics and stuff. And it's like, we kind of got to pick that stuff soon now so that we can paint accordingly, right? I know we can, we can take the area rug in and go see this green here. We want this exact color because we have that capability. But until we pick that area rug, Right. You know, so it's sometimes there's a lot of stuff that has to be, I think it's just the stuff that needs to be picked early on. And sometimes people just don't quite understand why. So speaking of the interaction between the client and the designer, because you are a business coach to other interior designers. I do. Yeah. Yeah. More on the productivity side of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And systems. What do you think interior designers could do to be a better advocate for their clients in that in that regard that you don't necessarily always see them doing get organized. (laughs) (laughs) And you're talking about the designer needs to get organized or the homeowner? The designer needs to get organized. I think that Mm. a lot of, you know, our industry and designers have a bad reputation of being kind of flaky and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of walking into spaces and changing things. And I don't know how many times I've, I've felt the, the eyes rolling when they're like, Oh, the designer's here. And they're like, Oh, great. What is she going to change now? Like, you know, with (laughs) with the trades, right? So it's like, if you guys can get, just get yourself organized and understand the, the, the steps that are needed to, to, to sort of build on the, on the design and, everything takes longer than you think it's going to take mm-hmm. like everything, every, making decisions, you know, you know, you send something to a client and you know, you'd think, Oh, well, that's an easy answer. Oh, then they don't get back to you for three or four days. And <laughs> so everything takes longer. And so I think it's just really understanding the, the, the systematic steps of what needs to be done and how every decision has an effect on something else. I think that that's probably the biggest thing just because it's we, we have so many moving parts going at mm-hmm. all times, right? Like there's just so much information that we are processing and managing and one thing affects something else that mm-hmm. you just, you, you, you know, you've got to get yourself organized. You really have to, whether it's a task management software or if it's just a spreadsheet, like 
as simple as that. I think you just really need to, and then that will help your clients too, right? So that they're not right. feeling like they're being put backed into a corner where you're like, okay, construction starts next week and we haven't picked a whatever. Well, yeah, nobody should be designing in an emergency no, exactly. mode. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you're thinking about this from the client perspective, because I know you really pride yourself on as as a provider of these services, being organized, having mm-hmm. good systems in place, and that's obviously a real value for the people who hire you. If somebody's trying to establish a relationship with an interior designer, what are some things, some early signals that they could be watching for that either suggest that this is a designer who is has systems and is well organized or doesn't because you know you don't always get a sense of that until you've actually signed with the designer Mm -hmm. so I think it's ask them how what is their what's their step-by-step process right like what do you so I you know give them sort of outline what what to expect what are the expectations so you know in meeting one we're going to do a big intake we're going to learn about you know scope of work and then you know I've heard I don't know what the description is but you know if a designer is like sending you just dribs and drabs of sometimes you're not going to know that until you've hired them but (laughs) understanding their process that they're going to say like for instance if it's a room right if it's let's say a kitchen that they're going to bring you everything all at once so that you can see the entire vision as opposed to okay well here's the cabinetry and then you know two days from now okay yeah i i got to pick up the 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 counter and it's like this haphazard piecemealy bits coming in it's like, no wonder the poor client's probably going, I have no concept of what this is going to look like. So it's, I think it's just, just outlining the expectations saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. And then, and then bringing everything at once so that you can, as a designer can put your best foot forward because you have this vision in your head, but you have to get that out to your client. And if it's mm-hmm. coming in dribs and drabs, they're never going to see it. I can tell you and I are very like-minded designers because <laughs> I can't even understand how I would go about it piecemeal. Like, the counters are integral to choosing the cabinets. So how can I talk about the cabinets if I'm also talking about the counters at the same time? But I do think that clients should feel very free to say, can you show me an example of a finished file that you're providing to your clients? Or can I call your references? I'm always astonished at how often people don't ask me to talk to previous clients. And we do have a lot of hows and Yelp reviews. So that does some of the work there itself. But as a client, feeling really empowered to say, you know, what is the end result of what I'm going to get from you? Because one of the things that always astonishes me is how different the output is from one designer to another. Mm -hmm. Some will provide, you know, permitting and construction documents, and they're showing literally how a joist is interconnecting with this beam and like crazy detail. Which is just overwhelming for the client. Right. But sometimes (laughs) the service that they need maybe. And then on the other end of the spectrum, some designers say, well, here's sort of a concept sketch and here's what I think you should go search for in terms of materials. And they don't actually specify anything specifically. Mm. And neither of those are necessarily wrong, but you gotta go in knowing that you're gonna, what are you gonna end up with? And does that align with what you're, what you think you're buying for sure for sure it's funny that you say that because i you know automatically in my head go of course you would be outlining all this stuff and especially you know specking everything and it's like nope yeah i know so there <laughs> i made an assumption <laughs> yeah and i think that's one of the things about being an interior designer we are in our own little bubbles and we don't necessarily know what our colleagues are putting out there mm-hmm. so we assume that everybody's doing it like we're doing it and that is that couldn't be farther from the truth every designer has a different talent set and a different system set and a different output set 
And again, not right or wrong, yeah. but you got as a as a client, you got to know what are you buying, what are you going to get when that money's That's all true. Spent? That's true. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. My husband does something like that, which is, I sort of didn't even dawn on me. But he, yeah, he has. He usually gives any new prospective clients the last three or four jobs that he worked on, gives them their numbers. A lot of times he'll take them if you know we've had some wonderful clients that have allowed them to go through tours. So he'll take them to their house and How you know fun. walk them walk them around kind of thing, and and then he'll also sort of show them kind of what the like you say, almost like a file set of what, what will be coming their way. So yeah. So with me, I'm a little bit different because I'm working with more, you know, sort of business to business. So it's a little bit of a different package that I would be providing to them. Well, especially because their goals are different, right? Yes. As a business, they're thinking bottom line in a different way from a client. Yes. Clients going, well, this is my budget, but the builder is thinking return on investment. So it's not just how much do I have to spend, but yeah. what's it going to net me as yes, a result? Exactly. And I always say I'm a line item. You know, we're a line item in their marketing budget, right? They've yeah, got totally. all that. So yeah. 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 So what advice would you give to folks who want to create their own happy home? I think you have to go, you have to be comfortable in your home. And I think you have to sort of do some introspection in the sense of what is important to you. And what I mean by that is, are you a big cook and you love to cook and you know, you're, that's where you're going to be 90% of your time. I also think that the pieces of furniture that you use the most is where you should be investing money because you use it daily. <laughs> the cost per use, like your bed, right. you know, a sofa, any of those pieces, your desk chair, now that we're all working from home, you know, all that stuff. I think you really need to look at as opposed to what it, what looks nice is, is like think about the, those how you use the the space or the pieces and and then go from that way as opposed to what do I generally want to, oh I want it to be pretty okay well that means nothing right like right you know where where are your priorities and where are you wanting to fo- where do you focus your time and where should the design be focused on yeah I think that's really good advice thinking big picture about how do we use our home and what are our priorities and trusting that it'll especially if you're working with a designer no matter what it should look good in the end oh for sure that you've got to make but that's like (laughs) yeah that's not the thing the homeowner has to figure out the homeowner has to come to the table with how do you live how do you want to live yeah how how are we going to make sure that that is a result of this design work we're doing absolutely right there's and, and and sometimes i think i'm doing a custom home right now where i'm trying to pull a lot of this information out of them because we're building right from from the ground and it's how do you you know what do you, do you prefer baking over cooking like because she's you know how do you they they wanted two dishwashers and I was like oh two dishwashers she's like yeah we don't want to see any dirty dishes so one dishwasher is really just meant to throw like so there's never dishes on the counter I'm like oh okay that's different right I haven't had somebody right. else up but that's how they live right so it's it's pulling that information out of them other than just show me pictures of what you like I, I want to finish with one question before we get to the where can folks find you thing, which is going back to systems, because you said you help designers a lot with their own productivity and systems, and you have worked very hard to create your own. What is your response when you have a client who wants to change your systems, <laughs> you know, add in meetings or change the contract language or something else that you've worked so hard to set up? What's your approach? Well, I think, you know, when you get when you get mature in your business, your your confidence has increased. And so you therefore a lot more confident in saying like this, these are my parameters, this is my boundaries, this is my whatever. When you're younger, you know, 
we all are people pleasers because that's why we're in this business. But when you're yeah. younger, you tend to be a little bit more, okay, sure, we can do, change that. Okay, no problem. I think once you get further along in your business and you get a little bit more confident, you have to say like, you know, listen, this isn't what the scope of work was initially or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. every situation is different. So it's really hard to give a straight answer. But I think it's just, again, educating your clients on how you work. Mm-hmm. Get, and getting clear on it first because yes. otherwise you've got nothing to communicate in the first place. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I love it. So where can folks find you in all of your different iterations? That well, we're, we're actually trying to simplify that right now because I said we're it, everything has grown organically and I'm like, okay, this is like too much. So so we're going <laughs> to because we're literally in the process of doing our website right now. So by the time this comes out, Collinson Interiors dot com would be the best place to go and then for instagram it's crystal collinson interiors and that's the same for facebook and then everything will direct um you elsewhere or you can listen to the podcast the productive designer on uh, most podcast um players fantastic i'm so appreciative of the time you've spent with us here today thank you this has been great thank you for having me You're very welcome. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Creating Your Happy Place and that the stuff we talked about makes you feel a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home your happy place. If you feel stuck, please do check out my book, Happy Starts at Home. It's full of exercises that are meant to help you figure out why your home isn't working for you as well as it could be and identify what needs to change. And if you have a specific design dilemma in your home, you can also reach out to my team at Seriously Happy Homes. We can help you over Zoom thanks to the power of the internet, to figure out the next practical steps to creating your happy place. And in the meantime, no matter where you call home, I hope it makes you seriously happy. Until next time.